0: It's Saturday morning here on Dogman Radio, and I'm Scott Eklund. Chris Fetters is joining me. Kim Grinolds has taken a little bit of downtime today, and uh, so Chris and I are just going to chat here for a little bit and give you guys some some college football talk as you go about your Saturday morning. Uh, currently, um, the games have just kind of kicked off. We're looking at a frozen tundra there in uh, Colorado, Chris, between... Uh, Utah and and the the Buffaloes and um looks like uh looks like exactly what we expected when we talked about the Pac twelve going into mid to late December.
1: Well yeah, and who knows? I mean, depending on the availability of teams next week, could the Pac twelve extend the season? Could they stick with what they're doing? I mean, it it feels like the Pac twelve championship game is gonna be on that Friday no matter what. I mean that's prime real estate for Fox Mm -hmm. Friday night, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's right during prime time. Um, I, I, just really find it hard to believe that they would be moving that time to accommodate a team that might be dealing with a COVID issue. And obviously that's Washington right now. So it's, it's good news that the, that the Utah Colorado game has started. That's one more game that, that obviously needed to have to happen. Uh, in order to kind of sort this stuff out, so they're well on their way in terms of Washington to, to winning the Pac-12 North, uh, albeit you know backing in, however you want to call it. Uh, you know they're going to have that that particular title, but um, at, at one point it looked uh, dicey in terms of them even being eligible if other games couldn't be played. But that doesn't look like it's going to be a possibility. I think the real Possibility at this point is the fact that they're Not going to play just because they're not healthy And that's the that's the real shame
0: Yeah and I mean like I Agree with you Chris on The Pac-12 not wanting to go Want not not wanting to delay The the uh, start Of the Pac-12 championship Game I mean you could Have it on Saturday if they can Fit it in with all the other championship games That are going to be going on but you definitely don't want To push it to Sunday Because Fox wouldn't be able to broadcast it unless you did it later at night. And then you'd be going up against, um, you know, you'd be going up against the the Sunday night NFL game. And and that's always a tough thing to do. So uh, currently there are uh, five games scheduled this weekend. The first one went off last night, Arizona, Arizona State. Oh, boy. Uh, You know, 109-yard kickoff return to start the game, Chris. And yeah. Then, so. and, and then Arizona fumbles and gives the ball right back to him on right away. And they go, you know, three plays in and then uh, they would go one play for four yards to just go up 14, nothing with less than a minute off of the clock.
1: Yeah. Um, this game was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in, in, in basically any way imaginable. I mean, it was truly, truly awful. I mean, it was 42 to seven and a half. It was nowhere even near that competitive. Um, you know, it was looking like it could have been in the 80s very, very easily. Yes. Um, I've not seen a rivalry game quite that one sided in a long, long time. Um, and I, I to with-
0: have to go back to 2000 Apple Cup, basically um yeah him win like 52 that, to nothing or 52 yeah, to 3 or something
1: yeah, i think that was like 51 to 3 or yeah yeah I, I just know that i don't know what the situation is financially down in arizona especially if sean miller if they have to blow him out if that thing gets worse and then you compound it with trying to fire kevin Sumlin. but just on principle alone that game on friday night that was a fireable offense that was absolutely pathetic and I and I'm not you know I mean most people would at least the critics of me would say that I'm very slow to to judge uh, coaches coaches in general um, but that was a very easy one to judge that that was awful from start yeah. to finish
0: they look do you think uh, someone different. has lost the team or do you just think they're yes. disinterested right now
1: uh, well same thing I mean I, to me there's no difference. Uh huh. You know, these guys have worked all year to just play the number of games that they've played. I mean, mm-hmm. Arizona's only going to they're going to end up playing six games, assuming that they're healthy for next week. Yeah. Six games. And if you can't get fired up for, for these six games, I mean, Arizona State's only played three games total now. And they just blew out their in-state rival by 63. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Um, everything that we're always told. Is how much these kids love it, how much that they, you know, they're putting their blood, sweat, and tears and all that stuff into it. And I get it. But when you have a team, one team layover against another team like that, especially in state with so much riding on it, um, that rivalry in and of itself has usually been a pretty heated one to begin with. That's always been one of the spicier ones yeah, in the back
0: of They don't like each other.
1: No, not at all. And, and for that to happen, um, yeah that I, I don't know how someone stands at this point. I just don't.
0: Yeah. And, and I would agree with you, Chris, except for the fact if Washington and Oregon are running 50 and $65 million deficits between respectively between the two schools, Arizona is not any better funded than those two schools. Are they?
1: Right. I mean and that's I, what I'm I, saying. I'm saying I, I don't know the financials of it. So I, I, I can't, you know, just all of a sudden say that, that, that Kevin, someone's going to get fired. I'm just saying Kevin, someone needs to get fired.
0: Isn't it like a $10 million buyout or something like that?
1: Maybe what, whatever yeah. it is, whatever it is, it, it needs to be paid because if they don't fire him right now, then they're going to spend another two or three years going further and further behind if they don't, because yeah. right now they're already way behind and, well, and the, he clearly yeah. isn't the answer.
0: And the thing is you've got Grant Gunnell there who is a promising young quarterback. He he was he's been injured the past couple games, although he did play last night. Um, but you know, he's been been kind of injured. And I, I think you can have something special with him if you can get the right right coordinator right right uh, head coach in there and and use him in the proper way, but um, you know, the, Arizona State is obviously the king of the Grand Canyon State right now and I don't see that changing anytime soon. I mean, you're, you're probably talking another five or six years before Arizona, I think, can be competitive. There's just no speed on that team. They're, they play undisciplined football. Now, granted, they lost five of their top guys from last year that would have been returning this season on defense, and that's obviously going to hurt you. But, um, you know, when like everybody, when we talk about Washington losing Joe Tryon, uh, Levi Onzerike, that – we talk about that, that impact of Washington, there's still no excuse. You've got to figure out how to get it done, you know? And, um, and they've got to figure out how to get it done. They've got to be better than that. You've got to be, I mean, Arizona is loaded with talent. So is Utah. I mean, Utah isn't that far from Arizona. You should be able to recruit Utah pretty well. You've got Texas not far away. You should be able to supplement with some Texas kids here and there. I just, yeah, I, you got to wonder. They, they just haven't had a lot of success there. Um, you know, the coach before someone really struggled to get in, top-notch guys. Someone who coach both of those the coaches were named coaches. And uh, they neither of them have been able to really bring top-flight top, top flight recruits in. So it um, really kind of depends there. Let's move on to the other games. So currently the Utah-Colorado uh, game is going on. Colorado wins that game. That could set up some interesting possibilities uh, coming up. Although Softy kind of debunks some of the people who think that USC and Colorado would face off uh, next week in the championship game. If Washington can't couldn't play this week, um, he kind of debunked that last night. But uh, Colorado four and zero, Utah one and two in this game. If Colorado wins, they're five and zero. And did anyone kind of see that coming, especially with Carl Durrell coming in? as late as he did because the guy before him ends up going to Michigan State um really late in the process I think it was after signing day that he went and uh didn't get any spring football didn't get any off-season workouts with with, you know under a brand new coach and and you know they're 4-0 with a chance of being 5-0 if they can win this game
1: yeah it's one of those things where Carl Durrell obviously has a he's well known within the Pac-12 um you know, obviously he had his head coaching student at UCLA, I think from '03 to 07, if I remember right. Um, but it was nothing special. I mean, it was decent. It was 35 and 27. Um, you know, he had, a, I think, a third-place finish. He had one one season where he won 10 games, uh, one season where they finished ranked. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think the, the hiring itself was kind of the unusual thing because I think at that point, Maybe a lot of people expected Colorado to make a splashier type hire, but but in terms of solid Pac-12 hires with some experience and whatnot, um, you know, probably not a bad way to go in, in hindsight. But yeah, in terms of being undefeated, I think that that was probably the the one thing that that people probably didn't expect for sure. And um, and but they're playing super well. I mean, they're running the ball super super well. They're really tough on defense. You know, Nate Landman's you know, making a name for himself as a linebacker. So um, very curious to see what happens with that thing. It, to, to, to kind of piggyback a little bit on what Safi was talking about, yeah, the only way that Colorado and USC would be able to play in the Pac-12 championship game is if basically none of these games were played today because um, then it would go below a certain threshold. I think it's like four games average per team over the course of the season, it had to get to four or below, if I remember right. Um, and, if it, and if it was there, then the, the kicker would kick in where it was like the two teams with the best records would play, regardless of what division. But since all these games look like they're going to be played, the threshold for number of games played per team in the conference is above four. So then it goes back to who's who has the best record in the north versus who has the best record in the south and that's what's going to allow Washington to at least have the opportunity to represent the North.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that happens, how things play out here over the next uh, five, six days.
1: I'd say um, one thing real quick, yeah. Scott, is that hopefully people, because people on the board have been asking, when's the earliest we you know, you'd know you be able to find out? you know when, When's the earliest you're going to know if Washington's going to be healthy enough to play? Well, first of all, because it's a Friday night game, everything kind of gets moved up a day in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, like we would be dealing with media availability stuff a day earlier on some things that on schedule than normal. So I think, you know, when did we really find out Washington wasn't going to play this game against Oregon today? Well, Wednesday. we really found out Thursday, oh, but, Thursday Wednesday, yeah, yeah. but Wednesday, I mean, as soon as they put a pause on things, you could see where this was going. At least in my opinion, you could see where it was going because n- no games that have been played on Saturday that I know of have happened where guys have had their programs on pause during the week. I, I just haven't seen it. Um, it may have happened once or twice around the country, but generally speaking, when you put the program on pause, everything everything gets on pause, and it doesn't usually come back for a while. So um, if they can somehow get get it back to play in the title game, that would be great. And I think they would have to know probably no later than I think of probably Tuesday next week, Mm -hmm. if I had to guess. Ideally, I think they would love to know Monday what their status is. And then a lot of people are talking about the King County guidelines and how Washington's kind of going along with the longer isolation period, quarantine periods, and those types of things. Um, That's all well and good. I think that has obviously more to do with preparation than actually being able to field the team. 'Cause in theory, you could probably feel the team in a certain way, but you got to get these guys ready as well.
0: Yeah, and, and, and so, what people need to remember though too is that it isn't like Washington had fifty cases of COVID. It was a small number, but because of the contact tracing, that is where it came in and Washington wasn't going to be able to fill the team uh, with with so many guys out.
1: And that's and that's generally speaking, that's the reason why almost all these games get canceled. It's not because of an overdue number of positive cases, although there have been some situations where the number has been pretty alarming. It is more like, yes, they have four or five cases, but the spread, the potential of spread went to, like, half the team. And you can't play if you don't have half your team.
0: Yeah, you have to have a minimum of, what, 53 or 55? 53,
1: and then there's also, like, minimum requirements per position for quarterback. You have to have at least one quarterback you have to have at least four offensive linemen or seven offensive linemen and four defensive linemen.
0: So you're telling me we wouldn't have a situation like uh, Denver did a couple weeks ago where where they had some poor guy that uh, was a receiver on the practice squad?
1: Yeah, well, if they don't have it, yeah, if they don't have any quarterbacks, it's a moot point for sure. I mean, they've already said that that, that wouldn't happen. Um, So, but let's be very clear, even though you and I it sounds like we're on the same page in terms of being pessimistic about Washington even playing a game next weekend, let alone the Pac-12 title game. We know Washington's going to do everything in their power to try to be able to play that game. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. They didn't tank the Oregon game to no. be able to play next week. No. Because Jimmy Lake spelled it out. Everybody has spelled it out. These kids, this isn't... First of all, this is not in their control. This mm-hmm. is... This is we're, t- we're still dealing with the virus. And secondly if for some reason they were able to play again, that's what they practice all season to do is to play. If, if they had had a chance to play Oregon today, they would have taken it a hundred times out of a hundred. They would have never even hesitated. So um, it, it, it will be fascinating to see if Washington can put a team together. Again, it sounds like you and I are, are, are on the same page and thinking that's going to be really, really difficult to do. What I think is going to be very interesting down the road. And, and I don't know if you're leading into this, but there have been people out there, and I know Softy is leading the charge on some of this. That there could be a game that could be played almost like a bowl game at the end of the year, like an Apple Cup, for instance. Yeah. Have it have it as a like a New Year's Eve type game or something like that. Um, yeah. I find that it really interesting.
0: I do too. I do too. Crystal, let's get back to that. I want to get a uh, break for our sponsors. Uh, When we come back, we'll wrap up uh, the, the PAC 12 schedule. There's three more games on tap after, after today or after uh, this morning game, this nine o'clock kickoff between Utah and Colorado. We'll talk a little bit about the possibility of an apple cup being played on new year's Eve. And then we'll talk about the big elephant in the room from last night. Um, a five-star receiver, Uh, making his decision. And sadly, it wasn't the Huskies. You're listening to the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage
1: match limited by state law.
0: And welcome back. Thanks for listening this morning. I'm Scott Eklund. Chris fetters is joining me. We're, we're just giving you guys a little football content here, a little, little football talk for you guys as you're doing some, some last minute shopping, maybe, or doing some decorating or Baking cookies or doing whatever or just sitting on the couch like a big bump on a log like I'd love to be doing right now. (laughs) And, uh, um, you know, we're just we're just uh, here kind of talking because we don't have the Huskies in Oregon to talk about tonight. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, the last three games on the schedule. Not not too in depth. Um, Cal Cal is at Washington State that kicks off at one o'clock USC at UCLA at 430 and then Stanford at Oregon State to wrap up the night kicking off at seven o'clock. The game, I I think all those games are intriguing for different reasons, Um, but the big game really is USC-UCLA because whatever happens in this uh, Colorado-Utah game, USC, if they win tonight, they're in. If they lose, are they still in, or could UCLA put put them in the spot where Colorado could jump them?
1: Well, obviously, a lot depends on what Colorado does, I guess. Yes, Utah.
0: Let, let's assume that Colorado, let's, let's live in a world right now where Colorado win, wins today.
1: Then yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. I mean, well, if, if Colorado is was 5-0 was some... and
1: okay. USC is 4-1, and one, that kind of explains itself. Well wouldn't
0: right? they be 4-4 in conference? Because Colorado has that one win over San Diego State.
1: Well, yes, but they would be undefeated. Uh-huh. They would have an overall undefeated record. They'd still be undefeated in conference, okay. and USC wouldn't be. Okay. So to me, that would be the mitigating factor. Obviously, I'd have to see the tiebreakers and whatnot, but I would assume common sense would tell me the first tiebreaker would be win-win loss record mm-hmm. in conference. Well, yeah. State Colorado is going to be the only team of the conference with no losses. Yeah. So given that hypothetical, I would, yeah,
0: I would, I would think they would, um, one of the guys that I really like for Colorado, by the way, we we've already kind of talked about the Colorado game, but this, this jerk Broussard, Oh, I yeah. love watching that kid run the ball. He, he, I mean, honestly, he's even a more, um, he's probably a faster version of miles Gaskin. He, they're, they're roughly the same size. They're, um, you know, not going to be They're not going to wow you with their overall power Although they're not easy to bring down in the open field But, um, yeah, this kid that, that kid's pretty special
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's, Colorado's Always done a nice job of bringing in good running backs Solid running backs Guys that, uh, you know, may not be high On the, maybe the recruiting radar Coming mm-hmm. out of high school, but they do a nice job And they are very productive I mean, they, Yeah, they and he rushed for 300,
0: 301 yards last week And yeah, didn't they, score a touchdown
1: you know, <laughs> That's just yeah. amazing to well, me. Well, and the thing about this game, this Utah Colorado game, is that you know, with the snow and with conditions the way they are, can't expect a lot of scoring. Mm-hmm. And you would think that that really kind of neutralizes things things in terms of Utah. Because the one thing you you know Utah's gonna do is they're gonna they're gonna bring it defensively. Yeah. And they're gonna and I don't know I don't know if they'll be able to neutralize a guy like Broussard, who's very good, but you know if there was a team in the Pac twelve that had an opportunity to stifle Colorado's run game right now, it would be the Utes.
0: So Cal gets their first win last week against Oregon. They play at Washington State. It's going to be pretty cold up there, the Californians. I think Washington State's going to bust out and win this game. I, I really do. I think Cal is going to, is. I'm not going to say they're going to fold, but man, those Californians do not like playing in that frigid weather.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I guarantee you that both teams are sending the University of Washington a Christmas card because they're the beneficiaries of, of the Oregon-Washington game being canceled. Yep. Because that game would have been that game would have been later, but they got slotted into the one o'clock slot now. So um,
0: seven o'clock I, kickoff at uh, in on the Palouse.
1: Yeah, that would have been that would have been gnarly, and I, <laughs> been a, I've been a part of a couple of those. So yeah. seeing that up front, been there. Not and done this that.
0: late though. Not, not in
1: December. Late. Yeah. No. Not not in mid December. Definitely not mid December. Yeah,
0: um, USC UCLA UCLA has gotten hot, Chris. I like UCLA in this game. I I think USC probably ends up winning, but I like UCLA in this game quite a bit.
1: Well, what's interesting is that yeah, they they've started to do some things, and uh, you know, uh, Thompson Robinson he's he, he's doing he's doing a better job, I think, holding on to the ball and and being a better manager of that offense. And and obviously we know Chip Kelly is a a mastermind of the offense. I, I've been more impressed, I think, a little bit by their defense. And they've actually had a defense that has been allowed, that's allowed them to compete a little bit. And I think that, to me, has been the biggest uh, upside in terms of, of UCLA. They actually seem to be bringing something on the other side of the ball. That's always been a problem for them for a long time. Is that, yeah, they would have some offensive guys, some skill guys, they could score some points, but they couldn't stop a cold. Um, now it looks like they might actually have – kind of a semblance of a defense that they can put together. Uh, It'll be very interesting to see how they do that against USC. But what's interesting in this victory bell game, they've actually done decently of late, even though overall they have not been very good at all. They have actually been very competitive in this game. So I I don't, I don't expect that to change too. I expect UCLA to be very competitive. I don't, I don't know if they'll win, but I expect the game to be closely fought. It'll be a fourth quarter game.
0: They're going to get after Keaton Slovis, o- o- Oso Odigizua, uh the kid from Oregon that, uh, um, you know, that he was a special player coming out of high school. He's a, a f- fifth-year guy right now and has a chance to even be a sixth-year guy if he wants to come back next year. I don't know what his pro, um, pro rating is or anything like that, but uh, he's been really impressive. 26 tackles, four sacks, but the guy who's kind of come along... Here over the last couple of weeks when they really have shown more of a pass rush is Caleb Johnson, their linebacker, 29 tackles, four and a half sacks. And I'm looking they don't have tackles for loss here listed that I can see. So, um, yeah, they're, like you said, Chris, their defense is pretty good. They've got Obi Ebo, the former Stanford corner who's now playing corner for uh, UCLA. They've got they've got some guys who will fly around and make some plays there on in that secondary and in the in the, on that defense. And then their offense uh, with Felton, the former wide receiver, who's who, he's he's rushed for 578 yards, 5.2 yards per carry, five touchdowns. You got Dorian Thompson Robinson who who can hurt you with his legs. And that I am what I'm real interested to see is what the battle looks like between Chase Griffin, who started a couple games for UCLA while uh, DTR was out with uh, COVID um and now dorian thompson robinson is back and those guys will battle it out in this next off season to see who becomes the starter and i was pretty impressed with chase griffin i don't know about you chris
1: well the only game i really saw was the game he played at oregon and obviously he knocked that was the people's first time he ever started yeah off. yeah he knocked people's socks off in that game that was a uh, definitely a big surprise but the the surprise obviously was because no one had really seen what he was capable of doing so yeah, that, that quarterback competition in the offseason looks like it's uh, it could get spicy. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. I, I think with USC, though, I mean, when you talk about Slovis, yeah, they're going to have to heat him up a little bit. But when you talk about, you know, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Drake London, Tyler Vaughns, Brew McCoy, I mean, the, the embarrassment of riches that USC has in terms of their offensive skill guys, you know, if they're not putting 40 points a game on the board, something's really wrong. I mean, those guys need to be... Blowing guys out, and 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 part of that I think is is because they their offensive line is underachieved, and they haven't you know done a great job of, of protecting Slavis. But if they can do that, if they can give him some time today, I mean I just, I, I you just look at that that group of receivers yeah. and wonder how they're not lighting people up on a on a weekly basis.
0: It's because it's really it's really hard to light up teams when all you do is throw the ball. I'm not saying you can't put up yards and you can't put up points because Washington state obviously did that, but they're there. They, they don't have the person. They still needed another couple years to get the personnel in there. Cause from a running back standpoint, they have a, they still have the makings of a power running team, you know? Yep. Cause I mean, uh, Harold has only been there one year, or I guess it'd be his, his second season. And then, um, you know, you, you, you just talk about w- matching up, you know, when you get to the third and fourth guy and he was a former five-star and he's going up against a three-star corner who could develop into a five-star corner. But um, yeah, I, I just, you know, like you said, Chris, the matchups that they can present are real tough for the opposing defense. All right, let's move on real quick to Stanford, uh, Oregon state. Uh, Interesting game because I think Stanford has started to feel their, their oats a little bit, kind of find their identity a little bit more. They they kind of took it to Washington last last week. Um, I don't know if we're going to see Oregon State try to do some of those same things. I think Oregon State is going to going to do some different things from Washington. Do we know if Jamar Jefferson is back? Because he didn't play last week due to COVID.
1: We think yeah. It sounds like he's supposed to be. So yeah that that's a that's a that's a game changer for the for the Beavers for sure.
0: Yeah, so um, I I would just say um, you know keep an eye on that and then um, and then I was gonna uh, say, to
1: me as big, as big as the Colorado the Utah Colorado game is and the USC UCLA game is to me this is the most compelling matchup
0: really just because okay. just
1: well just because as someone who's covered Washington we've seen both these teams we've seen what Stanford mm-hmm. does we've seen what Oregon State does we've seen Oregon State improve over the year. We saw Stanford impose themselves in a way that they haven't all year. They finally got it together. They finally got their run game on track. Davis Mills was in complete control. Uh, you know. But I, I'm very curious to see how Oregon State attacks Stanford's defense, especially with Jamar Jefferson back. I think this could be a really interesting game, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if Oregon State wins, it, wins that me,
0: game. Me. Me either. It's a home game for Oregon state. Not that it matters that much this year because no fans, but still, you know, they're not having to travel. Stanford is even if my guess is Stanford probably would have had to travel anyway. Right.
1: Yeah. But it's so, this is so 2020 that you look at all the matchups this weekend and right now I'm saying I'm looking at Stanford, Oregon state saying that's the one I'm kind of the most interested (laughs) in watching right now.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at USC, UCLA. I want to, I want to see a good game. Those are two of the top teams in the South. I, 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 you know, don't really – we haven't seen a lot of great games by those teams here over the last 10 years. Now, there's been a few, but we haven't seen a lot of great ones. I want to see a great one. I want to see a, a knockdown, dragout battle. I don't want to see a 42 to 39 game. I want to see 27-24, somebody wins with a late drive, something like that. That, that should be fun. But, um, Chris, you mentioned uh, before the break – about the uh, Apple Cup possibly being played on New Year's Eve. Do you think they would still play over in Pullman, or do you think they would try and get it over here at Husky Stadium or maybe even like at Quest Field so so Washington State didn't feel slighted? But do you think that they would uh, still play that game over there on the Palouse if that happened?
1: If I the th- think there's every – well, they, they should want to play it in the Palouse. I mean, it is their home game. If no, I was I'm talking
0: must- just any uh, – do you think the Pac-12 or do you think Jen would fight to to possibly have it over here? I mean, that's all sure. I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Because it, it, does, it does it still – is it – first of all, does it really reflect that it's going to be like a conference game? I mean, are they going to treat it like a conference game? Or are they going to treat it more like a one-off special – Bowl game. Almost like a bowl game type of thing? To me, that makes a difference. Because if you're treating it as, the, as a con, like just the, a conference game that's being played a couple of weeks late, then Washington State has every right to say, wait, we got to play this over here. And, you know, it's not like Washington hasn't gone there and played in the snow. There's been plenty of snowballs in terms of Apple Cups. Um,
0: well, I've heard people kind of talking about the travel, it possibly being, quote unquote, dangerous. Um, the basketball team plays over there in January.
1: Sure. I don't, no, I, don't, I mean there's you know they travel all the time over there. Yeah. Now, granted, that's the difference between traveling 20 people and 120 people. Yeah, yeah, that's um, a good point, Chris. That's and good. then also if you take into account what happened with the band a couple years ago, uh, and that was just the Thanksgiving, you know, typical yeah. time that you would normally play a uh, an apple cup. So it's it's always dicey anyway, Scott. So um you can you can certainly talk about that. But I, I don't know if anybody would, at the end of the day would use that as an excuse to not play over there. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm wondering, though, is if uh, Nick Rolovich, because this is his first year going through the recruiting process and all that stuff, I'm wondering if he would look at playing in Seattle as beneficial to his recruiting. Yeah. Well, uh, I think
0: just getting another game on national television uh, for either school is going to be beneficial.
1: Yes, and, and and I can see both those guys, both Nick Rolovich and Jimmy Lake, wanting to play another game at least, if not a couple, if they could. So yeah, I think they they would make that happen. And if it meant going over to Pullman to play that game, I don't think Jimmy Lake would hesitate. Um but would it be ideal? No. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be awful. And I yeah. and I would feel I would feel bad for those guys having to go over there, but at the same time, it's what they signed up for. It's what they love to do. It's what they want to do. So if they want to do it and everybody's healthy and everyone's on board, make it happen. I, well, I personally wonder if, I don't know where the genesis of this came from in terms of this idea that this could happen, but uh, why not? I mean, I yeah. to be honest with you, I think Jimmy Lake wants to clean that up. And I think he definitely wants to clean the Oregon thing up too. If, if Washington in a weird quirk of fate could somehow play Oregon like next Sunday, like on a mor- like Sunday morning, like uh, you like know, before like the, the
0: kickoff of the yeah, NFL, like a exactly. nine o'clock if, kickoff.
1: Yeah, if they were able to do something like that, and and by extending it a day during the week, allowed them to get all the guys that were unavailable due to tracing. You know, if there were enough negative tests and stuff to get them back and get them practicing and whatnot, um, I think that would be great. Uh, obviously, if you could. We're assuming that they could play on a Sunday, but they couldn't play like on Friday night, for instance. Mm-hmm. That's that's the distinction I'm making. Um, I if, if so Jim- in that
0: instance, Chris, who plays in the Pac-12 championship game then?
1: Well, that's the difficult part, because yeah. at that point it would probably be Oregon. So that yeah. would that would really throw the wrench into it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because at this point with these games going on, literally, as as we're talking, you um, you know, it, it, it looks like they're going to the, the the threshold's going to be met. And so it's going to be the Pac-12 North versus the Pac-12 South, and mm. you know, as it should be, in my opinion. Um, I, I just wonder if, uh, it, you know, in Jimmy Lake's world, in their ideal world, I think they'd love to clean up the Oregon game. I think they'd love to clean up the Apple Cup and and then maybe ideally try to get to uh, to a bowl game if possible. But the ultimate would obviously play in the Pac-12 title yeah. game, win the Pac-12 title game. And then get to Fiesta Bowl.
0: And, here, and here's my thing. And yes, you want to play in a Fiesta Bowl, get that money, all that kind of stuff, play in the whatever. But I have to believe that with the way that the Pac-12 kind of ran things and how they 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 kind of put put themselves up as this – from a superiority standpoint in the way they were testing and all these different things and all the protocols they put their, their teams under and everything like that. I have to believe if they can figure out a way – To instead of if they don't make a New Year's Six game, and all these game, all these bowl games have been canceled now. um, Wash, I I think the Pac-12 only has what two that they're actually locked into, right? That are left. Is that what it Uh, is?
1: Three because well, you got the New Year's Six with the Fiesta, then you got the Alamo, and then the Armed Forces Bowl, I believe.
0: Yeah, so you've got you've got three games that, that you're really locked into. I'm wondering if the Pac-Twelve would just say, hey, we don't necessarily want to play another team from another conference right now just because of the way we don't trust their protocols that they go through. Let's uh, have have another, you know, have our teams all play another game against the, the conference. I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if the Pac twelve went that direction. Would it, yeah, would it
1: surprise you? No, it wouldn't surprise me. And the other thing that's going to be very, very interesting is when you know, hopefully, all the Pac-12 fans out there that follow football follow John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News, and and Wilner said that that it sounds like the Pac-12 is going to make a decision on how the the games the following weekend are going to be divvied up. Uh, maybe even by the end of day today, but more likely probably Sunday. And I think I'm fascinated. I, I'm very curious to see how the Pac-12 decides to divvy these things up, because if it's Pac-12 North versus Pac-12 South, that's great. But are they going to go ahead and go two versus two, three versus three, four, four versus four, like they were talking about earlier? Or are they going to try to do something else to maybe get Colorado or U.S., whoever gets aced out of this thing for some reason, who are they going to try to benefit to get, a higher ranking or a higher seed? Are they going to try to do something to help the profile of the conference? I guess mm-hmm. is the best way yeah. I'm trying to put it because I, I was watching college game day today, Kirk Herbstreet was very pointed and saying, in all this talk about the playoffs and all this stuff, we're not even talking about one of the power five conferences. We're not even talking about the PAC 12 PAC 12 is completely out of this whole thing right now. He's saying the American athletic conference has more credibility as a conference in relation to the discussion about the new year six and the, and the playoff than the PAC 12. And, and, and that's crazy. That is absolutely insane. And so we know that obviously a PAC 12 team is going to be playing in a new year six game because it's mandated. Thankfully. I mean, I'm not saying that they would have gotten aced out of, of a new year six game regardless, unless it had been mandated the fact is, that is one of the only things that's really holding the conference's kind of, I don't know, prestige or, or whatever, you know, reputation uh, together at this point. They need Colorado or USC to really step up and do some damage because there's no one in the North right now that's going to be able to do any damage. Washington had an opportunity, but they lost to Stanford. And I'm not saying that that's the be all and end all and that's the game over and all that. Because Washington could still go play in the Pac-12 title game, they could still win it, and they could still play in the Fiesta Bowl against somebody, and even put, pull out a win. But at the at the end of the day, what is Washington's record going to be? Even if they go through that gamut and do all that, they're going to be what five and one. No yeah. one's no one's going to care. No yeah. one is going to care at all about a five and one Washington team. That's playing in the Fiesta Bowl against whoever. I mean, I don't. I don't even. I don't even know who they would play at that point. Mm-hmm. Would would it, would it be mandated that it's a Big Ten team? I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. It's so topsy turvy. It could be anybody. Yeah. So at, at this point, it's just. I think you really have to put your hopes in Colorado and USC to do damage. Um, and then and I, again, I'm talking about this from a conference perspective. Obviously, if you're a Washington fan, you want the ideal scenario. You want to get in the, the Pac-12 title game, which it sounds, which it looks like right now you are, until you can't play. And then you want to win that game, and then you want to win your the Fiesta Bowl. That's it. That's everything in front of you. It's very clear. But in terms of the Pac-12, you've got to have Colorado or USC step up and dominate these last two, three games. They have to. And, and if for no other reason to get into the top ten, of the playoff ranking. So at least you can say you sniffed it. Cause if you don't even have a PAC 12 team that sniffs the playoffs, cause we're not talking about playoffs. They're not going to get in the playoffs. I mean, I feel like Jim Moore right now. Yeah. Playoff, you know, it's like, yeah. but I was thinking not,
0: that just as you were saying, Yeah, <laughs> you were saying but that's
1: it. the whole point. The whole point is we're not talking playoffs at all about the PAC 12, but we are still talking about trying to salvage something that makes sense Mm -hmm. of a power five conference you know it's like all of a sudden now people are talking about the big 12 coming back if some of these dominoes fall now does iowa state get back in the picture if they beat oklahoma twice in a season including the big 12 title game well we know that the playoff committee hardly ever i mean they're never going to put a two loss team in a playoff but it's 2020 could Mm -hmm. they
0: yeah
1: well you know what if what if you know, I mean, there, there's all sorts of scenarios that could happen and you, and you wonder if it's a possibility. I just, at this point, it's gotta be Colorado or USC to, to do something in order to kind of salvage the rep of the, of the entire conference. Cause I don't think Washington by itself, if they were even to roll the table, like I just described, I, I don't think it's going to be good enough. Cause if five and one, it's not going to register. It's not going to be a, a blip on the national radar. Uh,
0: let's move on. Um, we're, we we got to talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, Emeka Agbuka, St- Stilicum, uh five-star wide receiver um, and uh, number one wide receiver in the country. Second best player in the state of Washington from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, made his choice last night. It was in Oklahoma, which I think surprised a few people because they, a lot of people think that that uh, social media can tell you where kids are heading. And he had been liking a lot of Oklahoma stuff and following a lot of Oklahoma guys and all that kind of stuff. But he ends up choosing Ohio state, the school a lot of people thought he was going to go to from the, from the very early outset. And uh, yeah, I, um, you know, I, I don't really have an answer for you guys. I know that he really likes Washington. I know that he had a really good relationship with junior Adams. I know that he has a good relationship with Sam uh, Heward, Um, I think the fact that, uh, Jimmy Lake is a first year head coach and he doesn't know what to expect from this team definitely hurt Washington. I'm not saying that it, it hurt them from the standpoint that it made them him not choose them. I just think it might've allowed Ohio state and Oklahoma to vault themselves above Washington when, when they, when they ended up hiring a first year head coach, Chris, give me your read. We've been doing this for a while. One player does not make or break a class for the University of Washington or any team, really, but uh, they could have definitely used a playmaker like a Okay,
1: well, I have three thoughts. Okay. First thought is absolutely it's a huge loss for Washington, huge. You don't you – don't, the, the, no, uh, the number one player at a certain position in the country, if he's, if he's in your backyard, you got to get him. If you don't, it's a loss. I don't care if he's a legacy to another school. I don't care what the situation is. It, it's your job to make sure he understands that being a hometown hero and playing for the school and getting the kind of education you get at Washington and, and, and being that guy that will always be remembered in this area for doing what he did is important. Um, the second thing I would say is I think Urban Meyer laid it out yesterday when was asked, you know, kind of why is is the gap widening between the haves and the have nots. Um, because they you know, they talk about Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State. They talk about those four being the I think they have seventy percent of the playoff appearances since the playoffs started in what, was that two thousand eleven, fourteen, whatever it was?
0: Yeah, whatever it was.
1: Um I get the BCS and the C F P always confused, but it was it two thousand fourteen I think. Um you know, there's a reason. And it starts with recruiting. And so you've got those four teams. And then basically you've got 120 some other teams that are playing catch up. And that includes a hell of a lot of really, really good teams. And that also includes Washington. Um, the third thing I would say is, is as soon as I kind of saw the way it went down, I saw the video and, um, I give all credit to Emeka. I mean, I think he handled the process perfect. I think he did it the way you normally would do it. I don't think he, he slipped up at all. I think he handled it with class. I think he handled it the way you you'd want your son to handle it. That said, I think he's been an Oregon State guy or an Ohio State guy for a long time. A long time. I think that 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 last ditch trip to, to Oklahoma was simply that last little piece of the of the recruiting puzzle that he needed to do for himself. I don't think Washington and Oklahoma were really that that into it. I don't think they were that close. I don't think either team were that close. I think I think Ohio State was in his in his gun sights for a long time. I think he was enamored with it. ever since I saw the picture of him playing that one game for Stillicum where he was wearing the Ohio State gloves. I don't remember if that was last year or even the year before. It,
0: it was last year and guess who the uh, coaches were that it. were on the sidelines.
1: Oh, was it the Washington coaches? Yes. Yeah.
0: So I, ever
1: sidelines. since I saw that. That was um, with Peterson. Yeah. Okay. So, but ever since I saw that, um, it wasn't, I didn't have it in the back of my mind that he was always about Ohio State. But clearly the crystal balls are there for a reason. They didn't change for a reason. And so reading the tea leaves, obviously, after the fact, it's easy for me to claim that. Ohio state was his favorite all along and had been for a long time. I just don't think it was as close as maybe a lot of us thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah. I, you know, we had been hearing some stuff that, uh, that Washington had been kind of trending for him and he, he had been kind of feeling, uh, the Huskies and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say that, uh, they, uh, that, that isn't true, but obviously, I mean, it, the school that he was loving last, last fall is a school that he ended up choosing. So, um, you know, make of that what you will, uh, Ohio state is recruiting at pro. I mean, you could say Alabama and Clemson are right there too, but Ohio state just, it, it's almost like if Ohio state comes in, they're going to get 95% of the guys they want.
1: Well, and you and, just, you just added, yeah. you just added a good point, Scott, because, what have we always talked about in a lot of these kids when they start their recruitment, especially if they've always loved college football growing up now that may be because of their family. That may be just because of what they saw on TV. That may be because of the team that they always wanted to play. um, You know, when playing a video game, for instance, just whatever, whatever it was a lot. I mean, I'd say 90 to 95% of them start, at a certain point of the process when they start getting letters and questionnaires and whatnot they have a team or two in their mind that they've always thought about clearly at the beginning of this process ohio state was right in the front of amecha Ibuka's mind so yeah. so when you look at amecha bekka and you and you look at what he was doing he started at a certain point clearly ohio state was right there and 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 then you go through the entire process and we talked about it like a clock if you start at 12 when you get to about six or seven or eight you're right in the middle of it you're getting torn in every different direction he had the hometown guys coming after him he had oklahoma coming after him he had oregon coming after him he had sc us ucla coming after him he had every team in the country coming after him by the time he got back to 12 he was back to where he started and where did he start? He started with Ohio State in the front of his mind, and to me, that that makes all the difference.
0: Yeah, well, um, not not the greatest way to start the weekend, but not a death knell to the program. You obviously could use a talented a uh, talented player like Mekeg Buka, and I'm not saying that it's not a loss. Washington still has a very good class coming in. They're going to sign on Wednesday, and uh, I I like um some of these guys I, I think they would have been a little bit higher rated had the camps been able to happen had you know we had senior seasons for some of these guys um you know void i think has a chance to move himself up into being a four star um but uh you know um we're, we're gonna have a lot of coverage next week on signing day, um, there's going to be a special podcast on Monday that Kim, Chris, and I just recorded that I think you guys are really going to dig. It's a uh, it's a look back at some of the fun stories from the recruiting trail over the years, and a little brief history on on the start of Dogman.com and how uh, Chris ended up writing for 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 Dogman and how I did so uh, do definitely tune in for that. That'll be up first thing on Monday morning. And I'll also have a blog up then because there is, uh, some rumors of a possible flip. We'll be able to talk about that a little bit more. I got some Intel on that. And then, um, on, on, uh, Tuesday, we're going to have, um, some, some, uh, stuff going on as far as, uh, some of our favorite recruits that, that we've covered over the years. You, Kim and Chris, you you, Kim and I, uh, Chris, we all, um, Gave three or four guys that we really liked uh, to cover uh, during the process. And then last but not least, and this is on uh, Wednesday morning, starting at about six o'clock, Chris and I will be on the boards. We'll have um, a signing day board, correct? Isn't that what we've done the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: So we'll have a signing day board where a lot of news will be published. I, and as the letters come in and are confirmed by the university, I'll be posting uh, player signing day profiles that you guys can uh, get a load of a lot of the different stuff that went on. I'll have uh, commitment impact uh, stories. Um, I'll also have um, their commitment stories from when they made their decision. So you, if you, if you haven't been able to read those, you can go back and read some of those. So um, just a lot of stuff going on here over the next uh, five days with signing day coming up and just stay tuned because we'll have all of the information you guys need over the next, you know, four as we get closer to figuring out whether Washington will be able to play in the Pac-12 championship game or not, that will be you'll be able to hear that right here on Dogman.com. I'm sure we'll do a podcast, an emergency podcast, if things are able to go through or not. So uh, just stay tuned for that. Also tonight, 5 p.m. tip off, Washington hosting Oregon at Hecked um should be a a fun game to to watch tonight and uh washington played really well against seattle u now granted seattle u is in oregon oregon has a pretty good team but but uh you know a lot of still a lot of coverage a lot of stuff going on chris will have all of that and uh sounders play tonight too so right after the husky game you can tune over into the sounders right chris uh
1: yeah actually the yeah the basketball game starts at five and then I think the actual start of the game for MLS Cup between uh, Columbus and Seattle starts closer to six, even though the pregame, I think, starts around 530. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's, you're going to have to split screen it for a little bit. But um, yeah, if you're a fan of Seattle sports, uh, it'll be a good evening.
0: Yep. So uh, just keep it tuned here to dogman.com. We'll have all the coverage for you from a Husky standpoint and uh, a lot of recruiting stuff coming up. So enjoy that. For Chris Fetters, I'm Scott Eklund. Go, Dogs.
1: You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family.
0: Can we do it again?
1: If Ready PG.